Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Podcasting from the top of the rocks. This is News on the Rocks with Patty Steele. So I thought that what we should be talking about today, mm-hmm. especially it's still summer, it's oh, still I warm. Love summer. We decided to sit outside. Why are we sitting on the porch, on the porch Patty? Uh, because I happened upon this really interesting article in the Wall Street Journal not long ago. Here it is right here. There you go, right there. When U.S. politics was socially distant. It's about front porch politics. So that's why we're on the porch? That's why we're on the porch I'm and not thirsty, in, a, though. in a nice, cool, fresh studio. Well, of course we are. And you know what? On the heels of our... Um, our oh, fever, fever tree. tree porch episode. That was a hit. So I'm going back to fever tree tonic water. You want to give me the opener? Okay. Oh, yeah. Here's okay. And we have, thankfully, lots of ice. Lots of ice. It's melting quickly. Yeah. So am I, but this is exciting. <laughs> okay. Okay. Where's your cup? Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, over I'll here. I'll take the opener now. Okay. Well, you want me to... You want me to Oh, no. You know what? (laughs) I'm not going to have. Here's a tip, listeners. Don't have Patty make your drink. (laughs) The last time I. Now that you have to drive within like 36 hours. I made you a deep eddy peach thing. Also with Fever Tree. And I I watched your eyeballs bulge out of your head. Let's see. I'll take the opener here. Here, I'm not going to have room for ice with mine. (laughs) Is that good enough ice for you? Yes, that's perfect. Okay. Okay. Oh, here's your. here she's enjoying a kettle one peach and orange blossom. Right. Okay. Don't yeah. look as I pour myself a hefty glass. Why not? You need to stay hydrated. <laughs> I'm sure Doctor Oz would Does back us up on dehydrate this. dehydrate you? It's though? horrible. That's <laughs> why we need the tonic water to. Uh... I'm gonna take an opener for myself because I think I'm gonna. I want to focus on the uh, tonic water. On winning this discussion. Well. <laughs> I just want to stay, you know. Yeah, the thing about tonic water, see that sound effect? I know. Is I that, love that. Uh, it's good for leg cramps. Mm-hmm. It actually helps the. Uh, ooh, you hear that? Do you have leg cramps? Because I, I run a lot. Ah, yeah. excuse I'm me. I'm probably dehydrated all the see, time. See, yet another reason not to run. I know. <laughs> and to drink. Just sit around. <laughs> and have gin and tonic or vodka tonics. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> this is excellent. Mm. There you Boy, go. I really needed that because yeah. it is hot out. But we're on the porch for a reason. We're on the porch for a reason. Because the interesting thing is everybody's taking a look at this election now, what, you know, less than three months away. Is this the weirdest thing ever? It's the weirdest thing. It is the weirdest thing maybe ever. I wasn't alive before this eventuality, at least that I know of. So maybe there were times that things were more weird. But this is a 
This is definitely one for the books. And here we, and it's weird that it happened in an election year. Oh. Because that complicates it on so many different levels. A little sidebar. Yeah. You know, all the ad campaign dollars that were supposed to flood into radio and TV. Yeah, not happening. Horrible. I mean, it's really, economically, I know people hate those ads, but they provide jobs and work for a lot of people in the TV and radio business and print too. Mm-hmm. And it's been crippling for it, them too. Yeah, it was It was counted on as kind of a savior for a difficult broadcast year and now yep. probably not, which is why I'm going to even be more hated by my pals in the broadcast industry by saying, why don't we just go back as the Wall Street Journal indicates to this front porch politics and really what that's about is most people don't realize this, but thanks to George Washington, for most of the 1800s, it was considered unseemly for a candidate to actually campaign for himself. And I say himself because there were no hers. Got to get that in All there. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what they would do is other people would go out and campaign for them. They would go to the conventions and they would all argue and fight and hold guns at each other while they decided who their candidate was going to be. And the candidate would sit at home and kind of relax and wait to be told whether or not they were the candidate. There was also a much more vigorous and partisan print media. Papers, papers would be far left or far right. And they'd, owned that. They'd New, be unashamed about it. Unlike today when they say, no, no. We're, we're objective and all this. Yeah, they're not know. objective, but that's the way they've always been. They've always had an attitude. They just owned it. They knew they were the press of the Whigs or the Republicans right. or the Democrats right. or whoever. And then they would have these surrogates in the press, mm-hmm. not only the owners of the papers, sure. but the key writers and right. reporters kind of do their campaigning for them. That was notoriously that was huge. the case of the uh, uh, Andrew Jackson mm-hmm. and John Quincy Adams. Right. It was Adams who planted something out of a Cincinnati paper, a powerful paper in Ohio, right. about the uh, bigamy charge against Jackson and his, and it, it was right. I mean, mm-hmm. she was not divorced when they got married. Right, So, right. but And that's why Jackson said that um, uh, he would, you know, he could forgive Quincy Adams, but he could never forgive her for Rachel because she died. Yeah. She was so stressed. She was so stressed out. She never made it to Washington, D.C. But that was all accomplished in the paper. So that was the early 1800s. Then as the 1800s evolved, people were still, you know, the press is much more vigorous. You have, you can uh, at one point finally begin to send out photographs. Um, but there was another and, interesting point you were talking about. Hmm. The the health, um, your great, 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 great grandfather Harrison. Or, yeah, somebody in my family. Right. I don't know exactly the connection. I know it, I had Harrison's in my in my past, and I believe he was in there. But the problem, like for them, now he put out this during his campaign. They would put out, they didn't have photographs during those campaigns. Etchings that, and drawings. Etchings where he was outside of his log cabin tossing back some hard cider and and kibitzing with his neighbors and that kind of thing well he was 68 years old he gets into office he gives he gives a speech and truthfully his death was not caused by doing that speech but within a month he was dead and then not all all that long later you had zachary taylor who also died in office of cholera they believe and everybody's like, wow, George Washington was right. We should stay away from the people. For Don't health reasons. Ca- yeah, for health reasons. Washington just didn't like people right. very much. So that was also part of it for him. He didn't want to 
mix it up with the hoi polloi. He was just the president, and then he wanted to go away and go back to his Mount Vernon. Because I think it's very interesting. It was presented at first that it was beneath the grandeur of the office. Well, that was that for, was very much his for a idea. president to campaign. Right. And then with Harrison and and Taylor, mm-hmm. it was like, well, maybe it's for their own good and the health of the candidate not to campaign. And then the actual term of this front porch candidacy or campaigning, that got into the vernacular and that's totally fake. That what? Totally fake. See, like I love that whole idea. I mean, blah, you think blah, about blah. you think it about, happened, but not for the reasons you think it happened. You think about like the whole thing with the way Lincoln campaigned. Well, he Lincoln, never Lincoln didn't really campaign much. No, he gave no he didn't do any campaigning. In fact, interestingly enough, during the campaign, he never he never spoke publicly except to once say, "Please don't ask me to speak as he was getting on a train out of his hometown of Springfield, Missouri. But, you know, Lincoln. But he controlled completely his message. The imagery. By writing and the image. The whole thing with the, he the would make. cabin. And yeah, with a rail splitter. And then he would have photographs taken and his wife would try to straighten his hair or the photographer. And he'd mess it up and he'd say, that's not who I am. I want people to understand I'm one of them. I'm not some dandy. So Can you imagine a current world leader like a prime minister of Great Britain keeping their hair <laughs> messed up? Just so people would think they're one of them. Wait a minute, it <laughs> works. Johnson. Look at that. He looks like my golden doodle, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, she just ran hey, up. Hey, <laughs> there's a golden doodle. No, that's the prime minister of, of Great Britain. Great Britain. Uh, hey, Boris. <laughs> but at any rate, so you get then past Lincoln and towards later in the 1800s, and the front porch candidacy thing just really started to take off. In the beginning, you know, you had one guy, it was Garfield, who decided he was just going to sit on his porch. And he sort of was the first grand front porch guy. Not really. And oh, Here's the deal with Garfield. Yes. This thing with Garfield, by the way, one mm-hmm. of our great presidents. Don't, you're deconstructing all the heroes of our past. No, I loved Garfield. Okay. Garfield, uh, Garfield shouldn't have died Garfield was yeah. a terrific president. Right. It was the 1860 Republican Convention, mm-hmm. the longest on record, 36 ballots. Right. Here was the problem. You had Grant, Blaine, and Sherman. They went in there, and one of those big rock stars was going to win. Mm-hmm. Grant, after two terms, was going to come back for a third. Blaine from Maine, he was he was. Oh, like, this is not eighteen sixty. No, this is eighteen eighty. Eighteen eighty. Eighteen eighty. Did okay. I say sixty? That's okay. I forgive you. Yeah, eighteen eighty. <laughs> I was like, wait, that so, was Lincoln. <laughs> so he comes in, yeah. and then Sherman, who not Tecumseh, it was yeah. his brother. Oh, he was didn't want to be part of any of it. Yeah. So they, there's this big standoff. You know, um, Garfield was never even in the running at all. That's right. You're he was absolutely never right. in the running. It was such a battle that it wound up, you know, and it's funny because that's actually how Lincoln was also elected at the convention. There was such a battle between the big candidates like William Seward and all these guys. This they were all expecting they were going to win, but it wound up dividing the vote. And this little guy nobody ever knew, yeah. a one term congressman from the middle of nowhere, no education. But that speaks to his brilliance because as somebody came up with the term team of rivals, right. he, he used those men Those in guys were all his part of his, his cabinet. cabinet. But uh, what's interesting about 
Garfield. Yeah. And what is so relevant to today is, you know how Garfield became the nominee? How? His vice president. You know who gave him the vice presidency? Uh, Conkling, you know, the guy, the yeah. big power broker from yeah, New York? Sure. That's how we got Chet Arthur. We got Chet Arthur uh-huh. as a uh, kind of a giveaway to the warring factors of the establishment Republican Party. Right. So he gets them, give them Garfield, shut the other three down. Now you've got your candidate. Now Garfield, one, you know, same, just like Lincoln, uh-huh. congressman, had been elected senator, but was just... Just kind of stumbled into the convention center in Chicago. Right. Um, uh, now he, out of desperation, does front porch. Does the front porch? Fifteen thousand people came to see him in a town he lived in of five hundred. How did they magically come to see him? He, they have, they put in a little railroad spur, so that people could get to his house. Just little fairies put the little railroad No, that's a good question. I don't. And how did they manage to coordinate that number of people? Gee, this is great Americana. (laughs) The whole thing is like, let's, let's put him on his porch. Right. Um, Let's, uh, they timed it all out. He knew, how would these, if you're talking legitimately a front porch candidacy, like, Mm -hmm. like people anytime can just stop by and ring the doorbell and four score and seven. It was all coordinated. It was all timed out. They'd get these crowds in. They had so what did they do? Like once a week, once a month? How yeah, did they? Yeah, they had set times. They so had set times, set groups. Everybody, it was everybody was in on it, and it was all played up like this great American. Look at us! I can't. The people are coming to me. It's very brilliant. It is brilliant. And, and then you go... And McKinley was a genius. Well, the it. next guy that really took it to the whole another level was Benjamin Harrison. Have you been to his house? No, I have not. You have and got to go to his house. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah. One of the first things you see is this porch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, That's a, spectacular. I did see a picture of the... Spectacular. Yeah, beautiful porch. Now, to porch. his credit, he... He had 300,000 people show up. How did that magically happen? Well, in fairness... He was right near a railroad line. They didn't have was, to put a line in. But everything was coordinated. Of course, everything he probably was, bought the house right before the... <laughs> I mean, everything was timed out. It's, it's, uh, I just think there are, are people today mm-hmm. that are hearkening back to this chapter of American history to give current candidates a pass. Like, um, well, like, well, like Biden for his health, he can't leave. He can't do this. He can't do that. Right. So let's bring the front porch candidacy back. What I think is more interesting is what uh, certain members of Congress are doing with Instagram. Right. Uh, AOC has 5.8 million followers. Yeah. Isn't isn't Instagram kind of a front porch? It is a front porch. Candidacy? Yeah. And so Trump on Twitter and Instagram, uh, to love it or hate it, uh-huh. look at the traction. But yeah. that's not, that doesn't kind of fit the narrative of an actual porch with a rocking chair. Well, it doesn't fit and, the narrative of, and that's the interesting thing, because you go back, and even with McKinley, McKinley was far more the boring candidate than the guy he was, Brian, who he was running against. How about the guy he ran against? That guy, um... Uh, oh, he traveled all over the place. He made like 600 campaign Ran appearances. for president like three or four times. Yeah, and was young and vibrant. McKinley was kind of stodgy. speaker. And quieter, and yet he sat there on his front porch, 700,000 people it was, came to yeah. see him. Now, one And the- he was also, interestingly, the first presidential candidate to appear 
in a movie campaign ad. That was a Spielberg thing, wasn't it? That was, definitely. It was one of his earliest. It was called Cast a Vote. <laughs> well, what's interesting is in that little piece of film from 1896, you simply see this guy, a couple of people around him, walk off the front porch. He's holding some papers like he's going to read a speech, and he walks across the lawn to the crowd of people. And... Obviously, these were not talkies at that point, Mm -mm. so you couldn't hear anything. And they put out a statement in the newspapers when this was going to be shown at theaters in New York and other places in the country. And it said, Major William McKinley will appear tonight in New York before a great throng of people, which will include members of the Republican National Committee. He will not, however, be speaking. (laughs) The distinguished statesman will make his appearance, apparently on the lawn of his house in Canton, Ohio, full life-size and in action so perfectly natural that only the pre-informed will know they are looking upon shadow and not substance. And that's how they advertise it. And people went nuts. Everybody went to see him campaign. Well, I could see how they in would. In this little campaign ad. Of course they would. You know, I mean, now and the he one, won. <laughs> you know, the one thing about McKinley, which I think should be part of this discussion because i'm a romantic Mm -hmm. is one of the reasons he did not want to campaign actively on the road was his wife Mm -hmm. she was quite ill and uh when he was governor of ohio he would have her wheeled to the second floor veranda of their home which was across and then he would stop all state business and wave and uh he uh he changed protocol at state dinners he just really loved his wife, Ida. Mm-hmm. And when he was shot, that was the first thing he said, be careful how you tell Ida, because he was so worried about her. And they'd lost two babies. She had a horrible uh, form of epilepsy. She was very, very frail. So mm. he felt he needed to be by her. So he was not as you know excited about, the, uh, about campaigning, but they saw what Garfield was able to pull off narrowly. Right. I mean, that Garfield race was something else. But now let's jump ahead, and I got this year right, Mm-hmm. 1960. Do you remember right. an important claim of 1960? It was called the, I believe, 50 States Plan. Yes. Richard Nixon yes. said, I will visit all 50 states. Right. Now, there was a reason why, because we'd only had 50 states for about a year. Right. So we had all 50 states. So I'm going to visit all 50 states. I'm not sure he did it in 60, but he lost. Mm-hmm. And it, everybody was saying, you know, the 50 state plan doesn't work. Right. You need to base it on the Electoral College. Right. And that's definitely what he did in 68 when and he ran. managed to win. So you look at somebody like Nixon who was out everywhere mm-hmm. or somebody who's just very narrow with this coordinated, clever campaign to bring everybody to them like a McKinley. Right. And, you, you know, you, you decide. Well, so that's what folks like AOC are thinking about for Biden. I mean, in fairness, we are in a very unusual time right now. Yes. So, and we have all become very used to these, to watching celebrities and all kinds of people on Zoom. So we're used to being inside people's houses in a way we never have been before. You watch a late show and you're seeing, you know, these guys down in their basement or you're seeing, you know, uh, Jimmy Fallon in his kitchen and his kids walk through and you're seeing human beings as opposed to these polished celebrities. And so the question is, if it works and it's okay and people are now comfortable with seeing people on that level, why wouldn't it work 
in a campaign. The thing that's difficult is it might work for a Biden. How would it work for a Trump? His front porch is either the White House, Mar-a-Lago or Trump Tower. Well, and the other how do you do like a little personal is what is he giving up to do that? Right. He, you know, in 2016, it was these packed auditoriums. It was just the, uh, the, the just the spectacle of thousands yes. of people, tens of thousands, waiting for hours to get in there. And then, you know, the one that they did, Oklahoma, you know, it was just it, it just was between the health concerns and the dirty politics. It was not the visual. That's the kind of visual he wants. So are people going to pine for somebody sitting in their basement or are people going to, you know, pine for someone who can command an entire auditorium? But don't you think right now we are all so stressed out and so Uh, freaked out with what's going on that we want something simpler? We're all looking back and saying, you know what, maybe this is what we needed. We needed a return to, to a simpler time. I'm not certain. I hear you. I'm not certain that's possible because it's kind of like trying to, well, <laughs> I can't say that. It, it, I, I could say um, recover your virginity. <laughs> it's Good <kinda> Lord, <laughs> what's in this kettle one? I was going to say something much different. What the? <laughs> but I mean, do you, but do you understand what I'm saying? We're so jaded now with our exposure to the world of politics and how it has used the media and advertising as opposed to substance to make its point. I don't know so that we could go back. So then I guess the back. question is, what's the litmus test? Do you want someone that can command the uh, uh, love and fervor of 50,000 people in a stadium, or do you want someone who feels good petting a cat? I think I go with the cat, and I'll tell you why. Because you're a cat lover. I don't, (laughs) exactly. I don't really necessarily trust people that can just get a crowd into a frenzy. And this is nothing on Trump. This is just in general. People that get crowds into a frenzy can say anything and people go, yeah, yeah, and they buy it. And when someone is talking to you, I mean, and I heard so many people say this, and sorry if you're not a fan of, of uh, Governor Cuomo in New York, but one of the things that was really impressive to me was early on when he was doing his COVID chats, is he was saying to people, look, to be safe, we have to stay home. And he said, and I get this. He said, I, he said, my wife and I divorced when my kids were still pretty young. And he said, I had a little bitty apartment in New York City and I'd have the girls over. And he said, I would do anything to get out of that apartment. And so I would go over to my mom and dad's apartment, which was a little bit bigger. And after a few hours there, my dad would say, okay, time for you to leave. And I would go, no, not time for me to leave. And then my mom would say, no, bring the girls in the kitchen. I'll feed them. There was something about the way he described what everybody was feeling, that feeling that you were just kind of desperate to be able to breathe some air and to be able to go do something. Not that you didn't love your kids, but you just needed a break. And I feel like that's the same thing in a way as front porch politics. It's that ability to take a look at somebody and say, okay, this is the way he lives his life. This is the way she lives her life. And 
I'm hearing something a little more personal. I'm understanding that even if I don't always agree with their politics, they're a human being. And that's, to me, really essential in any politician I want to vote for. Well, I think it's just you're talking about different skill sets. It's totally a different skill set. And I'm not sure either of the candidates can deliver that realistically and honestly the way I would like to hear it. But I wonder how many politicians can. And I'm telling you, in plain New York speak, as a born and bred New Yorker, it's stupid what you're doing. It is stupid. I mean, there's something about... It takes deep honesty and, and a sense, and the same sense of modesty and yet self-confidence that an Abraham Lincoln had and that yeah. some of our greatest presidents had that ability to know how to make a decision, but also the ability to listen and the ability to understand other people's pain. Well, and, there's a saying that we have in the TV business yeah. that the key to success in television is sincerity and if you can fake that you've got it made <laughs> so it's you know that's how you I, I don't know it's how you break through whatever medium you know you're in you know in the front porch campaign maybe that's why by managing the times and the people and the crowds mckinley was able to out mm-hmm. campaign someone who was much more dynamic right and exciting because he was real they well, was he? Was he real? Well, he had an, an unbelievable campaign manager. Yeah. His campaign manager managed everybody in the crowds that gathered. Yeah, so managed how real the was that? exposure. Well, how real was the the, the Spanish American War? You know, how real was I, Teddy? You know, Teddy Kennedy, Teddy Kennedy, <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt. Right. Yeah, you know, that was all just to shut him up. Yeah. He was never supposed to be president. Yeah. They, you know, many people, powerful people in the party, regretted that mm-hmm. Roosevelt got in. All the people that paid to get McKinley in, mm-hmm. the big trust, right? they were the puppet master. And then they get, you know, Roosevelt in who wants to cut the strings. So I still think, at least I would like to think, maybe I don't think it, but I would like to think it, that decency and sincerity at the end of the day come through. You know, to just be grossly generalistic, you could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. You can create the most magnificent ad campaign and picture of somebody, but eventually it comes out. Now, it might come out after four years in the White House, or it might come out during the course of the campaign, but I think that... um, Eventually, we know the difference between a decent human being and one who isn't. Wow. I was watching wow. on CBS Sunday Morning. I was the other few weeks back. I was watching um, the guy that for like 40 some years ran their marketing. And one of the things he talked about was the importance of having decent a decent product to market. He said, you know, no matter how great you are at marketing, if you have schlock, eventually people are going to know it's schlock and you can only market that stuff once. You can't keep it going. And it's the same thing in this. I think that eventually people see through 
somebody they don't trust or they don't feel good about. I don't know. This is getting very heavy because let me ask you, now I'm going to get in trouble. Have you ever met Bill Clinton? But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. But when you meet him... He's adorable. Wow. This right. guy... And that doesn't mean he was a horrible but, president. It just but, means but, that I mean, he was... But I mean, as far as energy, connection, charisma, mm-hmm. this guy's Look got Look you it. in the eye. But is that sincerity? But or did anybody... Or do we just reread it as sincerity? Did people like him in spite of of his lack of trustworthiness in spite of his lack of honesty or did they believe he was honest and trustworthy i I think there's a difference i mean there are people you can you can i i used to know a guy in the record business who was very very successful and i used to laugh because i loved him he was a great guy but i used to say he is sincerely insincere hello because that was, it was the minute he walked into a room and spotted you, you were the best thing he'd ever seen. You were the most beautiful, the smartest, the funniest, the best thing on the radio, the best thing. He just loved you for that moment. And the minute he walked away from you, he felt the same way about the next person nah. he saw. <laughs> and it was okay because yeah. you understood that about him. Yeah. And that's one thing for somebody who's trying to, you know, sell music. It's another thing for somebody who's running the country in a desperate time. And the thing that's scary is I think that at some, on some level, we're all gonna have to hold our nose and vote for whoever we think is the best able to deliver, even if we don't like him. And that's- Do you think though we run a risk of uh, electing people we like instead of people we need? That's a good. That's a really excellent question. Because I mean, it's one thing to, to have a great candidate that's personable and this and that, mm-hmm. but it's another one to have that gal or guy who can just get stuff done. Right. I right. just as soon have somebody that could. I mean, if I, I, it depends. If I'm I'm sitting in a pew, I want my preacher to be someone that I can, you know, my Trust. rabbi. My right. I, th- th- there's a different intimacy there. Yeah. But as far as making the sewers work, Get fixing the, job done. the power grid, what, what, you know, world stage stuff, I mean, you don't have to be my buddy. I don't know, though. I do think that there is, there is an element of um, importance to the idea that they also appreciate and understand the average person. I honestly believe that's what the Democrats completely lost sight of over the last several you know decade or so is it used to be the party of working people and they took for granted that working class people would vote for them and so they stopped focusing on them and caring about them and speaking to them and working for them and then you have this you know billionaire who's doesn't even under, understand working class people on any level that he personally is involved in, but he understood the need to speak to them and say to them, I'm going to find jobs for you. Working I'm class pretend- like the guys that are doing the yard. Doing the, yeah, well, you're on the front porch. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. So there you go. <laughs> uh, but but, but you, I think that started, though, with a little guy called Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. What, what, what did Ronald Reagan do for a living? He was... An- he was an actor the, he was the, he a union was guy he was a teacher he was an actor yeah that's the trouble with you actors ronnie no appreciation for what we directors do to make you look good oh morgan would love to hear you say that 
I think so much of this we've turned into showbiz. We've turned 100%. into TV. We've turned into acting. Well, that happened before Reagan. That happened with Kennedy. When you put Kennedy next to uh, Nixon in 1960, you saw this handsome, young, vibrant guy next to this guy who had a five o'clock shadow and looked a little scary to people. Yeah. In the election of 1860, Abraham Lincoln said the question was whether this nation could exist half slave or half free. In the election of 1960, and with the world around us, the question is whether the world will exist, half slave or half free, whether it will move in the direction of freedom, in the direction of the road that we are taking, or whether it will move in the direction of slavery. I think it will depend in great measure upon what we do here in the United States. So, I, I mean... The guy who could ultimately broker, you know, totally change world history with, you know, the beginning of... Changing China and Ch- I mean, no, what, I'm not what? disagreeing. I'm just saying that that's when showbiz started to really take effect because he was in your ear and in your face, those guys, every single day. But at see, that point. then this t- goes right back to Tippecanoe and Tyler, too. Okay, because if you're gonna go with a Harrison and a you know, chopping logs in front of a log cabin, that's just show business. It when, was, you know, Lincoln messing up his hair, that was show business. Yeah. But but that's okay as long as you got something to back it up. As long as you got some substance and some decency and some thoughtfulness and you're aware of what people need, of course you have to do that thing that gets you out there in front of people. That's magical when that when you have both. The problem is is we have become a country that only votes for the glitz. I've heard your voices loud and clear. We have to now, we have tough choices ahead. The first choice that we must make is the one that will determine our success. Shall we rebuild our state together? Or shall we fight amongst ourselves, create even deeper division and fail the people of California? Well, let me tell you something. The answer is clear. For the people to win, politics as usual must lose. We don't really vote for substance. We're not really caring about substance or wanting to hear substance. And that's what I like about the front porch thing. Maybe somehow you'll go into somebody's, uh, you know, basement or, or dining room or wherever they're sitting and you'll be able to see who they really are. And maybe you won't like it or maybe you will. But... There's something a little more real there when it's just one-on-one and you're in their life. Today it was announced that Joe Biden is coming out of the basement. I think. I don't know. Or maybe they just manage their basement appearance the same way they would if they were in front of 50,000 people. Well, the other thing, to bring it back to where we are now, if you're on... You mean my porch? Yes. Um, Twitter, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, there's so many. It's just all quick. Quick, yeah. disjointed, you Little know, bites. you know, for Sound a bites. front point campaign, somebody had to show up, somebody you had to sit there, you had to listen to the stuff. Right. So there was, you know, if it's style over substance, at least there was more substance. Right. At least it gave them something instead yeah. of just a, a picture that's cropped to perfect square and shot through a filter, you know. Well, you know, sadly, that's what we're all obsessed with these days. We're not as obsessed with the substance. We're not that interested in what they have to say. 
as much as we're interested in what they look like. If I had a nickel for every time somebody said to me, their favorite thing about watching all these TV shows is being able to peek inside people's houses. You, John Elliott, one of the things I loved was watching your backyard because you have this beautiful garden and a great fire pit. And so am I listening to you do the weather or am I going, wow? Nobody is. I could incorporate that thing of flowers in my garden. I got to get one of those restoration hardware lanterns now. Exactly. (laughs) Or I could wear the shoes you're wearing today because those are beautiful. I know. I mean, I think that's... Can we recover from that? I don't know. And maybe in the going forward, maybe if COVID forever uh, marks the way we do business and do politics, maybe the absence of the big, huge um, staged events will mm-hmm. force a new discipline of, of what are we talking about as far as programs and as far as plans? Mm-hmm. I have not seen that yet, but maybe in the future that will, will happen. Maybe, and maybe we'll have the most amazing candidates to choose from, or maybe not. Well, you know, the only thing my wife is, well, my wife is lamenting many things, but she'd like younger people. Running. And she'd like uh, some of the... My daughter talks about that all the time. She's like, why do I want to vote for somebody who's going to be in his 80s while he's still my president? And then, you know... But not to take away from what length of time gives you in terms of perspective true and sensitivity but people that have been there forever <laughs> people that have been in power for decades and decades and decades well, who, that's, yeah. who get up and say now is the time for change what have you been doing for 30 you know, years why 50 years why <laughs> haven't you changed it before <laughs> yeah. this tick tock <laughs> einstein let's go yeah no i i'm listening but to again you. this gets back to people don't want to really dive in and you know, look, I mean, they don't want to do it with history and they don't want to do it with current affairs. People just don't have the patience to apply thought to hardly anything. And that's scary. Yeah. Except people that listen to podcasts. Right. We love them. <laughs> You're our avatar. <laughs> oh, avatar. That's right. You are the person we're speaking to. You. You know who you. you are. I'm looking at you. I see you. I see you. I'm chewing ice for you. <laughs> On the porch. <laughs> we really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 